This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back in with you guys for another show for another episode of Let's Talk Arsenal, our twice weekly chat show on a Tuesday and a Friday at 5 pm UK time every single week as we sit and discuss a topic regarding Arsenal. Usually it gets quite debatey. We look at different topics around the club. We also delve into kind of the intricacies of social media. Uh, and what I'm really pleased about is that the show is turning audio only uh, as well, for audio only in terms of the availability. This isn't going anywhere. The YouTube's not going anywhere. It's going to stay. But also we're going to have audio stuff uh, initially going straight onto SoundCloud. And as soon as Spotify sorts itself out, uh, it'll be on the, all your other kind of regular iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, that sort of stuff, and you'll be able to listen to it in audio form too, if that uh, cuts your fancy. But let's crack on with today's show, and I can introduce you my guest for today. Hello, Owen. Are you well, son? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've got my cup of tea in hand um i'm waiting on my uh, lovely daughter to arrive back from the childminder so i've got an hour to spare mm. today um and what better way to spend it doing this because i think me and you um sort of we have quite uh, uh similar views on, on on the club but i think that when it comes down to the nitty, nitty-gritty details sometimes we have little disagreements so i think this mm. could be a good, good talk maybe yeah, um, obviously we, we were talking about a discussion that I'll, I'll reveal more about in a second, of course, if you've read the thumbnail and, and that you'll know what it is. Um, before we do crack on with it, though, I want to give a big shout out to uh, our LTA sponsors, um, which are Football Prizes. Now, this is quite cool because we've now had two members winners in a row. The last two weeks, we've had Dan Robert, who won the signed Abamyang uh photo montage and then on friday jared carver the lucky bastard went out and won a signed dennis bergkamp shirt uh of all things and that should be with him in a couple of weeks time let's get go go all the way to chicago this time i felt a bit bad <laughs> the shipping fee must have been incredible um but that's going to be going out to jared very very soon uh, and this week's prize is, is also quite retro um, and it's a signed uh, Arsene Wenger pennant, which basically, when you get when you're in European competition, usually Champions League, which we haven't had for a while, um, the little kind of flags that the two uh, teams hand over to each other at the start of the pitch, at the start of the game, um, Arsene Wenger has signed uh, one of those, uh, and that is this week's prize. It's only 66 tickets this time around, um, so oh, there's a better chance of winning it if you want to get involved. Link to the website is in the description. So go buy yourself a ticket and uh, maybe we can make it three uh, members wins in a row. I don't know. 18 tickets have been sold already um, and it's going to run until Friday. So you've got three days left to get your tickets for this one. But that's that. Um, Today, though, I want to talk about this topic of Unai Emery and and Arteta. Um, Because (laughs) it's just kind of a debate that I see thrown at. and, And a lot of people kind of tweet me sometimes with this topic. And I've not touched upon my thoughts and feelings around like the actual comparison. And I didn't want to do it alone because otherwise it would literally just me, me ranting for an hour. Um, <laughs> so I want to get your thoughts. First of all, what do you make of kind of the whole thing? And what do you make of the idea that 
Emery's had it harder than Arteta. Um, to be honest, I don't like the comparisons whatsoever. To either of the three managers between Wenger, Unai Emery or Mikel Arteta, both are very different figures, very different personalities, very different ways of operating um, and in very different landscapes, which I'm sure we'll sort of touch on in more detail uh, a bit later on. But to be honest with you, I think especially in the current climate uh, with COVID, with the pandemic, in all aspects of it, it just blows off any sort of comparison that you really can truly make. You know, um, mm. as we can see from the league table this year, football is just all over the place. So um, it's a sort of bad sample pot to be picking from, if I'm being completely honest, which in turn I think has a bit more of the level-headed side of the fan base, giving Mikel Arteta a bit more time than he otherwise would have had. I really, What I struggle most with with this is just kind of the the lack of context that, that goes with it. Um, and yes, Yonick, we are doing this. <laughs> uh, and evening, everyone in the chat box. Good afternoon. I hope you're all well uh, and doing good. Um, what I struggle with is this, is that people look at the two managers and the teams that they had, and that's it. Like, and that's mm. all they look at. They don't look at the overall context. They don't look at the other teams that were involved. They don't look at the difference in competition that both managers have had. They don't look at the situations of who was available. They don't look at the age of the players and the primes and the forms that they were in during those times. And they just go, he finished fifth. Arteta's in eighth, in tenth. He's clearly worse. <laughs> and that's all that the people, that's what I don't understand. And also the fact that the route to the Europa League final, which is also brought up, was I'm not, I'm, no disrespect to kind of the teams we were facing. And we made a bit of a mess, or kind of we made as much of it as we kind of could have done. But mm. the route to that final, in which we got absolutely battered by the only kind of decent side that we played against into it, was pretty darn easy um, to, that, to that final. Whereas... Arteta, in the route to his cup final, which he won, just just want to put that out there, <laughs> Man City and Chelsea, and away to Sheffield United in the season where they did exceptionally well, is like, I, I'd really struggle with those two comparisons because you've got that side of things. And then you look at where we finished in that league table, you had Everton that were pretty darn poor under, was it, um, what's his name? A former... Um, Duncan Ferguson. No, it wasn't. Under, it was under the guy who used to manage Watford, Marco <clears throat> Silva, wasn't it? Marco was, Silva, yeah. Just didn't do very well at Everton at all. You got Aston Villa that finished a point above the relegation zone. West Ham hadn't brought in some of the players they've got in this season with their likes of Jared Bone, etc. Um, and Arteta is now into a Premier League environment where there's so much more quality, so much more money's been spent around him, and. The signings that he has made, only one of them has been available for most of the season, which has been Gabriel. And even he's missed some of it with COVID. And the main signing that he made in, in Thomas Partey has, has barely been available at all. Um, I and, and the point at which Emery got sacked, he lost the dressing room completely. Like, it had gone. Mm-hmm. And Arsenal were arguably in a worse position under Arteta in that October, November time where we couldn't even win a game for Toffee. Um, and he turned that around. Like He got the players back on side. He got the winning run going. He got that win against Chelsea on Boxing Day. He, he integrated other players into the team. And not who I feel, not through forced either. I, 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 don't, I don't buy the argument that it was forced because you could have picked other players. Yeah. Um, and he turned it around. And now we're, I think, fifth in the form table currently. So... Mm. That's what I struggle with. Do you think there's any credence in Emery being a better coach at Arsenal so far than what Arteta has been? Um, not at all. Not at all. Statistically, I've seen some sort of stat boards going around and you could possibly argue the case with that, but <clears throat> much like Dan Potts always says when he's on any show, I'm, I'm not a big stats man. I think that sometimes <laughs> stats, stats can be skewed um, and they don't paint the whole picture. And to be honest with you, if you look at the beginning, I suppose the argument, there are the cases that we're trying to argue is who had the tougher start, who had the tougher time at Arsenal. And contrary to popular belief, I actually think that um, Unai Emery came in at a time where fans were more patient, more uh, sympathetic with the manager and the task at hand because he was coming in 
to such a stable environment you know say what you want about the mentality of the squad but we still had people in the dressing room like Petr Cech, Aaron Ramsey, uh, Lauren Koscielny, Nacho Monreal you know he, he came into a very experienced dressing room that was sort of well organized within themselves mm. and, I think, and I think that people were just so overwhelmed with the fact like maybe like a fan like me who all I can ever remember is Arsenal under Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger was Arsenal for the best part of my life and and the excitement in in those reins being handed over to somebody else was just so exciting that we almost overlooked any sort of progression real progression on the pitch and any sort of stylistic changes also yeah. i think i think that there's a big difference between unai emery and this is the, this is where the difference is for me with unai emery he came in and he made a lot of sort of safe bets you know, he, he didn't overly change too much, whereas Mikel Horteta has come in as a fresh coach and does overhaul the complete culture of the club. It mm. may not have worked. There may have been mistakes. Of course, there's going to be mistakes, as I've just mentioned. It's his first job. But you can't... In, in many ways, what happened is is Unai Emery tried to build the team around an attack, whereas Mikel Horteta has come in and, in my opinion, done the sensible thing. Of trying to build from the backs forward you know you you can't build a house on rocky foundations and the biggest problem at arsenal has been the back line for such a long such a long time long long time and f- for him to address it in the time that he has and with the players that he has you can only sort of tip your cap to that effort and and say it's a job well done in that aspect now mm. obviously the the further up the pitch has suffered because we have sort of implemented those changes and even to go back to here's here's a prime example of the tactics working and I had a lot of sort of I had a lot of issues with Kieran Tierney getting absolutely ridiculed on the weekend. I do think he could have done better against Riyad Mahrez, but the criticism that he was too far away from him in the first place was uh, the ta- uh, Mikel Arteta's tactics being played out. Something that I did while I was coaching my football team is play compact, play tight. At the back line, you want to stay the width of the box, and that's it. If the ball goes over to the right-hand side of the pitch, the defence shifts over to the right-hand side of the pitch. And Kieran Tierney was just following out instructions in an awkward um, mm. sort of um, in, in an awkward moment where there wasn't too much else he could do, to be honest with you. But that, to me, shows that the players are are, are now following um, the sort of tactical instructions, whereas with Unai Emery. I think that he raised the intensity, he raised the desire to a certain extent, but it was just, it, it was organised chaos, if you like, whereas the changes that I am seeing from Mikel Arteta in terms of the defence, they're not coincidental, they're, they're, they're polished, you know, so I think that's mm. the difference, is that is that it isn't just coincidental. Now we're starting to see sort of systemic changes throughout that squad. This And I want to point out, this isn't just like me sitting here wanting to bash Emery because... I, at the time when he came in, I wasn't massively infused. But two years prior, like prior to his time at PSG, when we were still under Wenger and we were looking for possible changes in management, I did look at Unai Emery as a possible replacement during that time because obviously during that period, I was much more into integrating into watching La Liga because I had more time on my hands to do that. Um, and watching him at Sevilla, I saw a lot of elements in that Sevilla side that went on to win three back-to-back Europa League trophies. I was like, this guy does seemingly have kind of the defensive now as the tactical vigour to to improve a team. And he did improve that severe team while he was there. He didn't improve PSG. Um, in fact, I think he managed to lose the one title of the last, like, so ever many years to Monaco, of course, who themselves had a very good team, admittedly. Um, but it was PSG in Liga, and you think, yeah, and he didn't manage those big personalities very well either with Mbappe and, and Neymar. Um, and he when he came to Arsenal... The communication was always going to be this big thing that was going to be an issue. But, I mean, there there are ways of getting around that. I mean, you look at how Bielsa, who doesn't speak a word of English, gets his ideas across to Leeds and how they mm-hmm. completely implement his style. And people will go, well, he's a translator. And I'm going to go... Hold on. <laughs> Hold on a second. Surely Emery had a translator when he needed one. And it's just the way you convey those ideas. And it just didn't work. Like It just did not work whatsoever. And that's why you'll see him go to Villarreal now. And again, kind of continue what he did really well at Sevilla and push them through the Europa League. And they ironically could be one of our competitors if we get through the next round because they won at Red Bull Salzburg, which is a very difficult place to go to and, and win. Um, but 
I want to get to kind of some of the comments in the chat because I know there are some people that disagree with us, which is absolutely fine. We're not here to, to throw around just kind of the arguments that are uh, in support of what we're saying. And I want to hear what you have to say uh, regarding this topic. So if you do think that Emery did a, is do, had done a better job than Arteta is currently doing, then throw your comments in, but explain your points. Tell us why you think that is the case. So Craig Barlow says, Emery finished fifth with a far worse squad, in my opinion, but his last five games and poor Europa League final defeat really did finish him. Arteta, apart from defensively, what else has he done still has 11 defeats this season. Do you want to have a go at tackling that? And then I'll give you my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I just think it's a case of competition. I think that that um, if you look at uh, the Leicester side um, that we face now, um, are a far more balanced and complete outfit, even though they were still a relatively good side back then. I don't think mm. they were as as uh, so, sort of as much as a mainstay in those positions. Also, uh, I think that now Wolves coming up as well have been very good. Everton have improved too. So it's just a case of. I think that our competition ha- has increased and we just haven't followed suit uh, at a rapid enough pace. I I don't buy the squad thing. Like, I don't buy that we had a much worse squad. I'll, I'll tell you for why. Our center, the centre midfield, for instance, if we just take a look at that for a second. He Emery had uh, Aaron Ramsey in his team and he had him for that full season obviously we lost him towards the end um because of the injury i think it was against napoli that he suffered that injury in the europa league um and when you look at what was available to him in midfield in comparison to arteta with a granite granite Xhaka who has continually made mistakes but without parte is probably our best center midfielder at the club um and then you've got the situation where you've got mohammed el neni coming back and, I mean, by far and away, Aaron Ramsey gets into Arsenal's team right now next to Thomas Partey for me without a shadow of a doubt, like mm. absolutely no shadow of a doubt. And the defence, I mean, it's interesting. We should probably go back. What was this? Was it 2018-19? 19, yeah. Arsenal 2018-19 uh, was the season in which he finished fifth. Um, if we just have a look at the actual squad, I'll throw it up on the screen as well because it's worth doing. Uh, Petr Petr Cech. Petr goal. Hold on, let me just, uh, stop sharing that screen and then we can share this screen. If you are listening through audio, we will talk through this so you can understand. I'll so never, I'll never forget the back lane because they let me down so many times. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in his first season, obviously, and he had Lucas Torreira when he first came in and we thought mm-hmm. Lucas Torreira was going to be like the next big thing. And then arguably, you know, Emery ruined Lucas Torreira. <laughs> I tried to play him as a number 10, which I found utterly ridiculous. Um, he had Mesut Ozil at the time, which, I mean, you say what you like about Mesut Ozil uh, now, but back then was was still just signed that new contract at the club. Um, you had Alex Awobi, you had uh, Socrates and Koscielny. Socrates had just come in. You had Laurent Koscielny still there. Um, Aaron Ramsey, as we talked about, he brought in, well, we say he, we, we talk about the players that he brought in. Raul and yeah, he was very much more involved in the players that we're bringing in, Sven Mislin Tat as well. Mm-hmm. Um Sayer <laughs> Kalasnac much younger as we talked about Matteo Genduzzi that was brought in oh, again I just can't find the will to rate in my I just don't rate him at all it's a bit yeah. of a headless chicken um, but he seemed to get quite a bit out of him at times through his running uh, Nacho Monreal was the left back because this was the season before we we brought in Kieran Tierney with Kalasnac there and I thought Monreal has actually been one of the more consistent players that we've had mm-hmm. at the club especially at left back um, much more so than Kalasan, actually, that's for sure. Um, and while, and you had obviously Aubameyang there, Lacazette there in, in arguably much better state than he's been in in the last year. Henry Mkhitaryan was also there. Um, I I don't see this as a worse squad, like as a much, much worse squad. Because the difference is now is what? So we've brought in in this time Kieran Tierney, but, which has improved us at left back. But I think arguably Arteta's got more from Kieran Tierney than mm-hmm. Emery did. Um, you've brought in Thomas Partey that's not been available to us. I think we've had, what, 10 games and most of those finished at halftime. Um, Gabriel, who has been the one kind of key difference throughout that period. Um, Willian, who is, yeah. <laughs> There's Willian. Uh, Martinelli, who I, I look at as obviously someone that has spent a lot of time out injured whilst Arteta has been here. Um, and 
I I don't want to call Martinelli overrated, um, but what I want to do want to say is I think I think people have a very high opinion of Martinelli, and I'm kind of just reserved right now. He's still a young kid. He's 19. He's done some really good things, and I think his energy and his pressing mm-hmm. kind of deceives people's views because people love a player that wants to press and and get at teams, but in terms of like his actual output and his assists for a forward player, they're not yet up there with the likes of Bakayo Saka. So I would just say chill right now. And I think Arteta is actually managing Martinelli okay. I'd like to see him play a little bit more. But this mm-hmm. whole idea of the squads, based upon what we see there, I genuinely don't believe it to be way worse at mm-hmm. all. It's definitely, I think, when you look at that squad, it's a lot more experienced, for one. A lot more co- cohesive in terms of the time that the the players have been together, the chemistry that would have been developed over that that period of time, um, and yeah, uh, uh, just much more balanced in terms of uh, tactically. You know, uh, Mikel Arteta has really had to fit a lot of square pegs into round holes over his time. Has been absolutely hindered with injuries, and let's not forget the importance of a preseason is absolutely huge. You know, um. I think it was it was Ryan on our podcast last night. He worked as part of the media team mm. at, Q, at QPR, and I, I completely agree with him. Even at an amateur level, a lot of people think that preseason is about getting your fitness up and getting fit and match sharp, and it's not that at all. That is the time where you can really, you know, make sort of tactical changes and, and, and really drill systems and 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 how to carry it out and and really create those bonds between the players and stuff like that because we see how fast these fixtures are coming you know they're thick and mm. fast and you're lucky to even get a get to get one proper training session in a week now you know normally it's just keeping the legs loose and then on to the next fixture so the fact that Mikel Arteta hasn't even got to do that with his squad, let alone all the other stuff, it is absolutely huge, especially for a first-time coach. Um, picking up on kind of the end of that, so he says, Arteta, apart from defensively, what else has he done? And this also bleeds into a comment uh, from Bellagio, I think it was in the chat, who talked about, uh, and I'm going to get to the super chat in a second, Um he says Emery wanted some other direct player to play on the wing, and we know that he wanted Zaha. That is very well mm-hmm. documented at this point. And he was given Pepe. Now, um, the issue is, is that, and this also builds on to that point of saying, what else has Arteta done? For me, Arteta came in and has immediately identified the areas in which we need to improve. But the areas, and and Nudran says there, Tom, you should brought on someone who disagrees with you. Just to let you know, next Tuesday, fingers crossed, Turkish is coming on, so we're going to be having a good discussion. (laughs) Don't worry, we'll disagree on some things. (laughs) There will be things, don't worry. Um, Where was I? So he, Emery wanted Zaha. Now, Arteta has come in and recognised, even with Pepe not being a guaranteed starter, no matter how much we invest in him, and arguably doesn't make our starting front three, to be honest, um, Arteta recognised the areas that we actually we should have been recruiting in under Emery. Emery didn't recognise that we needed to bring in a centre midfielder. He didn't recognise we needed to bring in a starting senior centre-back. He brought in Saliba, or the club rather did, but that was never a, a starting option. He was always going to return on loan. We didn't recognise that. And he wanted Zaha. He didn't get him, but that's not, that is not anything to back Emery up about because it's the wrong player anyway. And he should have gone in to watch and bring in the players that we needed, which in my view were centre-back and centre-midfield, which Arteta's done. And also, Emery, all the world about him, tried to to ostracise Ozil a little bit by getting him out of the team and not playing him and certain players. But it's been Arteta that's actually done the major overhaul of the work so far with getting players out and getting players in on loan quite savvily with Erdogan and, uh, and Matt Ryan coming in and obviously Danny Savas for another season, etc., He's been savvy in that sense. But Emery never, for me, recognised the areas that we actually needed. And then Balaji mm. says Emery wanted Stephen and Zonzi, but he got Torreira. Mm. But even then, he got his defensive midfielder, Balaji, and then he tried to play him as number 10. <laughs> so if he was planning on playing Stephen and Zonzi as mm. another 10, I can guarantee you it wouldn't have worked. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't get that. Do you want to come in on that point? Yeah, it's it's the only thing, and this is I'm trying to stay true to that dude's comment a minute ago of disagreeing with you, and it isn't so much as a disagreement. <laughs> it isn't so much as a disagreement as much as a sort of a follow on from your comment, and it's that that I would be quite 
quite reluctant to give Mikel Arteta the praise for the signing of Gabriel and the signing of Thomas Partey. I don't doubt mm. that maybe uh, him being in the position that he is maybe was a draw to them people and conversations that he had with them. But in terms of identifying the targets, well, we know that's predominantly Adu's job. So I think that maybe Adu, while he gets criticised for maybe the Willian deal where and Mikel Arteta gets off scot-free for that deal, uh, I, I think that it, it would be wrong to to leave a do out of the conversation when we talk about those type of signings coming in. So, okay, so obviously Raul was obviously here until last kind of summer. Mm -hmm. was heavily involved in the Willian situation. So was Edu. Edu, like from I've done more research into it. And it is it was both of them, Raul and Edu, that, that were looking into it and getting it done. And Arteta signed off on it. I'd look at the Willian deal and go, Arteta was basically told that the, of the signings we were going to make, the, the investment was going to go into centre-back and centre-midfield, which is what we did. And he was basically a case of, if, if we're going to bring in an attacking option, it's going to be basically Willian or nothing because we haven't got the we haven't got the money to go out and sign someone else. And as we talked about earlier in the other shows, is that Willian was giving away more than what we've seen this season at Chelsea last season. So I don't think anyone expected the kind of drop-off that we did. Um but no, Edu, but, go on, go on, go on. I was just, I was just gonna say something that that aggravates me, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I get frustrated <clears throat> with the signing of William, uh, and Edu is part, partly responsible for that. But what I don't understand is the reaction from the fan base a lot of the time when we when we talk about that signing, signing, and and the lack of patience with Edu. We have to remember as well is that Edu very much like Arteta is completely inexperienced in this type of position. So the sort of same bit of, you know, leeway that we showed in Mikel Arteta has to be shown to do as well because we can't go down sort of one patient road with, with one and then be quite harsh and, and reactionary to the other. You know, he's going to make mistakes as well, which we've obviously seen in the William. But again, mm. a couple of positives as well. Uh, I'm to get to the super chat. Wayne Sage, thank you so much, mate. He says, Emery's mistake was resting the best players against Brighton, Palace and Wolves. If we didn't drop those points against them, we would be finishing in the top four by seven points. And and it's very true. Like, And it's a big criticism I've got is that his, people talk about Arteta's game management and trying to pick the right selections for different teams. But Emery got it wrong a lot. And, and people questioned his lineups consistently, especially towards the end of his, his reign. Um and we could have been in top four. And we might now be sitting here with Emery still in charge had he mm -hmm. have not done that and had we have achieved top four. Because I guarantee the following season, we'd have had a lot more clout in the market to be able to go out and sign maybe the positions that we actually needed. And maybe mm -hmm. he could have got Zaha. And then maybe he could have got an extra centre midfielder or a centre-back on top of that he, he wasn't able to do. But it still was that priority of getting in a, a wide forward that scored goals over the other positions that we needed that I still think lays kind of the, the the fallacy i suppose with this uh thank you also benjamin uh harman for signing up to be one of our brand new members thank you so much mate if you are in fact an expert member you get access to this good server and i'll make sure to put a new link in the community tab today um let's go to another comment uh, i'm trying to find ones that obviously disagree uh so we can try and talk about it um that's <laughs> just for comedic value. What was more genius, Torreira in the ten or Willian in the false nine? <laughs> yeah, oh, both managers have made <laughs> mistakes. That yeah. is for damn sure. Yeah. Um, Divyan says during the Emery era, we got rid of Rambo, Wilshire, Awobi, Mikatarian, alienated Urzel. That's literally all of our creative talent, and never replaced them. Hence the likes of Torreira at ten. So I I understand that, but mm -hmm. it's. Like, I'm not sure if that's like a, a criticism of Arteta or if that's, I mean, how do you see that comment? It's, look, there's something that I said, um, there was quite a reaction online when Jack Wilshire, uh, when, it, when it came out that Jack Wilshire was going to be leaving the club and when Aaron Ramsey was going to be leaving the club. And what I put out at the time was we demanded change and this is what change looks like. You know, and, and very much, <clears throat> I think the same thing is happening now in many ways when we look at some of our players. I think Arsenal as a club have a tendency to hold on to players too long. Um, you know, something that I've said as well is within this rebuilding process, come mm. the summer, come the summer, don't be surprised to see one of the sort of fan favourites or one of the bigger names leave 
for you know to, to to raise cash to sort of spread out into other positions across the team. And I think that when you go back to the Ozil thing, just to go back to the Emery Arteta thing here, mm. I, I think that in many ways Mikel Arteta was left to pick up the pieces uh, of a mess that that Unai Emery had created in many ways with the handling of Mesut Ozil. Um, to, to, to alienate the the biggest player in the squad, the highest earner, the sort of talismanic figure that uh, the club have, the poster boy in many ways, is a big, big call. And you have to be damn sure that if you make a decision like that, that it, that the team have to produce on the field. And that just didn't happen um, for whatever reasons. In many ways, look, I know you could say Mikel Arteta did the same thing and he never got the results, but I honestly think that those decisions came from from higher up and that, that decision wasn't in Mikel Arteta's hands. Um, I'm interested to talk about some of the context. Um, Omar in the chat uh, talking about the, and we've got for the original comment, says Arteta has taken us from 8th to 10th. Emery took us from 6th to 5th um, in, in that time period. And again, like for me, the context around the two situations comes down to all of the other teams in that process and all of the <laughs> other teams that were competing at that time. Like, the squad, you would say, is maybe slightly better based upon raw personnel right now. But the squads of other sides around us has improved much more dramatically in that same space of time. Like mm. Leicester squad's way better than it was than it was against Emery. Aston Villa's is way better. West Ham's is way better. Like They are better and they have improved more. And not only that, is that the one player that was meant to take us to that next level has not been available to us in Thomas Partey. Mm-hmm. And this new manager's come in and not had a summer because of the COVID situation at all. And as you talked about the importance of pre-seasons, he came in in December, COVID hit, he didn't have a pre-season whatsoever. He's probably not going to have much of one again next season because of the whole European Championships. And then the following, I mean, to be fair, the following one in 2022 is a Winter World Cup. So you, that it's ironic because the actual only <laughs> summer full pre-season he'll have is in 2022, which is more than two years after he was appointed. Um there is. Go on. See, this is where I think that um, this is. I was wondering, we're traveling down a nice smooth road there, and I knew there was going to be a crossroads at one point. Mm. <laughs> and and I was listening to one of your podcasts the other week, and I, I, and I, I, don't, I don't know whether this was taken out of context, so forgive me if it was, but. <clears throat> Well, we uh, no, it was when you were with Mike and and, and stuff, and we were talking. Oh, it's always going to go wrong. <laughs> yes, we're talking about the the end result of this project. You know, you, you know, where 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 do we end up at the end of this here? And mm. and I agree. Whoever put in there, you know, he took us from eighth to tenth, and and for me, I'll break down my view of it all. Okay, so this isn't good enough for uh, and i don't like when people criticize you for saying that arsenal are a bigger club than the position we're in at the minute mm. we are um i don't agree to a certain extent that that a lot of the clubs you named have a better team than than we do i think when you look at our team on paper and what those players should be producing um i think that we're better than the majority of them um i also think that Football is a results-driven business, and and I think in the festive period just before the Chelsea fixture, that about fifty percent of the fan base were on the sort of the the thought train of maybe it's about time that we will move this guy on and explore different avenues. But that window is closed now. The club have now committed to Mikel Arteta, and and that window is closed. That option's gone. So in my mind now. The club have to give him the summer and a minimum of about 15 games next season, even Christmas. Christmas time is the sort of idea I have in my head. But what you said was that, uh, and this is what I mean by correct me if, uh, if I'm wrong, is that is that to think that Arsenal can get to being a title-challenging title team on a consistent basis is, yeah. is, is, is unrealistic. Maybe even before I can go on, you can sort of elaborate on that. So the point at which I said that I don't think Arsenal can be a consistent title-challenging side. Is, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think, in, in the realistic view of football, in the 2020s to 30s to 40s, whatever, at the moment, I with the current situation of Arsenal, with the owner that we've got, with the situation with other clubs, I can't see Arsenal realistically being a title-challenging side in the future. Basically down to the fact that you've got clubs like Chelsea, Man United and City 
that basically have a blank check for most of the summers that they go in and they could just go out and sign effectively whoever they want. You saw it with Chelsea this summer. And that there's the, the regulations that we were assured would be in place effectively mm. don't apply to these clubs. We saw it with Man City when we thought they were going to get banned from the Champions League. Didn't happen because yeah. clubs just get round it. It's just what happens. It's just the reality of, of the corrupt world <clears throat> we live in, unfortunately. And Arsenal yeah. aren't able to be in that bracket of clubs. Like We can't go into the next summer. Like I was listening to the same old Arsenal with Dan earlier and Dan was saying about how Arsenal need to basically do six. They need to improve six areas, six positions on the pitch if we upgrade those six positions we can be in a place to to um compete and arsenal don't have the capacity unless they have a major kind of sale and boost of income which in a covid effective environment is going to be unrealistic anyway to go out and upgrade on six positions like it's, it's unrealistic and i hate it when people go onto social media and type in like out all these players with the prices yeah. next to them and then in all of these players with the prices next to them because it's just not realistic. Like, that's no. just, that is not going to happen. Um, FIFA. Yeah, and it's not going to happen. So Arsenal aren't able to be a consistent title challenger because whilst we can incrementally improve two or three positions like we tried to with Partey and Gabriel, clubs like Chelsea and Man United and Man City are, one, already have amazingly good squads that are continually developing because they buy young now and they've realised that. But those clubs will continually be able to buy and upgrade on three or four or five positions if they need to. Mm. Arsenal aren't in a position <coughs> to do that. That's why we won't be consistent title challengers, if that makes sense. I just think that... So I'll respond to that and then I'll say where my head's at in regards to where this project should be heading. Um, in my head, with the financial restrictions, if they are implemented, I think through... Uh, through one obviously the size of our stadium, size of our stadium, the match day ticket pricing, and um, the TV deals, and the 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 money for being back in the Champions League, mm. um, along with building a sustainable model of being able to produce players and move them on, and the fans that are going to have to um, come to terms with the fact that we're going to lose players at times that we maybe don't want them to lose because that's their head. Uh, we're selling, trying to sell them as close to their peak market value as we can, the likes of maybe a, a Gabriel Martinelli or an Emile Smith-Rowe at some stage. Or, yeah. And that's, that's just the way it works. And and I, I think that, as I say, if those financial restrictions are implemented, that, that there is only so much money that you can spend. And I do think that Arsenal, with that Champions League money, with those player sales are in a position to maybe financially rival those teams. Maybe not to the extent, but not far off. And the issue, and maybe I'm thinking here too much with my heart and not enough with my head, but the only problem, and it really, it really hit me when you said that, because I was thinking to myself, well, the only reason we got rid of anger was because we didn't want to just be a top four team. We want to challenge for titles. And, and, and to go full circle, to go through this whole sort of transition period and all the struggles and dropping down to where we are, to just get back to where we left off, it doesn't do it for me. Now, I'm not saying that we have to um, win the league every year, but at least be competitive, you know, a real sustained challenge towards the title every three seasons, you know, um, it is something I'm sure every single fan could live with. Um, so, yeah, and look, at the end of the day, you can talk about you know, City and the size of their squad and the depth they have, there's only 11 players that can go onto the pitch in one competition at any given time, you know. So uh, for me, at this point now, when we move towards this summer transfer window, which I think is arguably the most important summer window in Arsenal's history, and, and yeah. you know, we'll have to do it under, as you said, the conditions of COVID. Um, but we have to now start to purchase quality, not quantity. You know, to, to look and think that we we have to buy and improve. Like, for example, there there's talks today about Hector Beller and possibly moving on. Like, let let's be honest. We talk all the time, all the all, <laughs> we we talk all the time about you know oh, he doesn't suit this system. Um, not just Hector Beller and any player here. Take it for example. He doesn't suit this system. He'd be better playing with this person or that person, or he, he needs this sort of tactical system implemented. Look, football can be a very simple game sometimes. Some of the players just aren't good enough. They just don't have the, the skill level required to perform at this level. And, you know, Hector Ballard in particular, I brought up there, and, and something I mentioned on a podcast yesterday that I don't like with that, um, when I talk about Hector Ballard, is that uh, 
when you criticize Hector Baller and the instant response is, oh, you're just saying that because all of his off the pitch antics, I could care less what the man does yeah. off the pitch. Play, play. Do what you like, mate. Uh, do what you want. I actually, I like players yeah, that have so interest because respect for what he does outside of the game. Actually. Exactly. And football only goes on so long. You know, I think I remember reading a stat before and it was that uh, I don't want to rhyme off a percentage because uh, I could just be, I could be completely wrong, but a massive amount of professional footballers file for bankruptcy within like 10 years of their football career. And, you know, so to set himself up for that, but anyway, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. Some of the players just aren't good enough and they're not going to be good enough. That's the sort of be end and end all. And, and unfortunately, the only way that I see out of this situation is by spending money. And I'm not talking about buying two players for 100 million. I'm talking about like a few 20 to 40 million pound players here and there, you know, to really start to mm. bolster the quality of our squad. Uh, I want to pick up on a super chat from Benjamin. He says, Emery was very flawed and I don't think he was the right manager for Arsenal. But one thing he, he did... Uh, that worked sometimes was making the early subs. And I think it's a good point to highlight because like, I'm never going to sit here and say that Arteta is perfect because evidently that is not the case. And for someone going into his first job, that is not going to be the case. And a lot of people would say that he shouldn't have been appointed. And there's an argument with hindsight to say that might be the case. And we should have gone for someone more experienced than Arteta. But the fact of the matter is, is we do have him now. And what he is doing and from the good things that I do see, I am happy with with happy is maybe not the wrong word but i'm content with the fact that i can see incremental improvements that over a long period of time i will be happy with and can see like a project moving forwards now the point is that with a year that we've seen with arteta like the year that we've had just over a year it's not enough time. one basically i don't even describe it in terms of time the one summer window that we've had Mikel arteta is not enough time for me it's not enough time for me to have a real assessment of whether this is working or not based upon the evidence that we've shown. The year and a bit of Emery, based upon the targets that he went for, based upon what he did with the players that we had at the time and where we were towards the end of his tenure, that was enough evidence for me to say, I don't think this is going to work. I I don't think this is going to go anywhere. And that is ultimately why I'm willing to give him more time than I am with Emery. Emery had two summer windows. And I think that he identified players, some rights, like Lucas Torreira, like Kieran Tierney, those types of positions, 100% spot on. But then what he did with Lucas Torreira was completely the wrong way of handling that player. And I think Arteta has done more with Kieran Tierney in the time that he's been here than what Emery did. And then you have players like Pepe that came in. That I get that it's not the player that he wanted, but it's the position that he wanted. It's the type of player that he wanted when that's not what we needed and we needed to bring in the centre midfielder and the centre back. That's why I can now, with what we've seen from Arteta, say I want to see more of Arteta whereas I didn't want to see more of Emery, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, Mr Joker says, Arteta or Emery doesn't matter at this point. We need to improve our business model and agree that no more extensions, players, are assets. Uh, we should treat them as such. Um, and we should treat them as such. And I'm hoping that Arteta has shown that your highest paid player on the books is not being treated like a king and that we can move him on and stuff like that. I think there is good signs that there isn't like there is the players are accountable. They are expendable and they can be moved out. I think he's shown that at the Bamiang with with taking him out of the lineup, subbing him in certain games. He's shown that he can take him out of the firing line or take him out of the lineup when he's not doing so well. There are some decisions that we question really heavily (laughs) because The Willian thing is dying off. He hasn't started a game, I don't think, for the last two months, which gives me hope that he's realised, yeah, this, this guy's pretty crap. <laughs> so yeah. he doesn't want to play it. I think, to as, yeah, I, th- I think as well, something that we'll have to remember, and I think uh, a stick that Mikel Arteta is often beaten with is that about uh, him blocking the exit of Granite Jacket to Hertha Berlin um, for £22 million. And going into the summer window, I actually expect quite a quite a few outgoings again and i think i think the reason for that is is this is actually very relevant because i'm i'm going to buy a house at the minute but look if you own a house and you have it in your head that you're going to sell it you always look at the property market the way it's trending and if your house is at a extremely low value are you going to sell no you'll sit and wait until the market goes back up and in many ways, I think that's what we did with the likes of Granit Xhaka, Hector Baller, and Eddie and Kadia. 
I think that the club have their eyes on these players as as you know potential exits, but they were reluctant to take cup price deals for these players because they believe that money's tight at the best of times, but no more so than now. And every every penny's going to count. So come the summer window, whereas you want to get twenty two million pound for a granite jacket, you could maybe get a thirty million pound or in and around that. You know, Hector Bellerin was maybe a twenty million pound. He could be a thirty five million pound to the right, right club, and that money matters. And so I I expect to um to see some outcomes in regards to the William thing. I would agree. The only worry I have now is that we have two highly played under underperforming players on the books. When we've just got our biggest one off, you know we've got Pierre and Rakabamiang, um, for another two years, and we've got Willian for another two years. That the you know that that's almost six hundred grand a week, isn't it? I think in round, if you believe the, yeah. the the wages that are touted, and and to me that that's my biggest worry in, in in terms of the finances of the club around transfers and deals and stuff like that. Uh, long gone are the days. I remember. I was screaming during transfer windows years ago because Arsene Wenger had the hundred grand cap on his wages, which stopped us attracting big players, and uh, we all cried for that to be broken. Maybe that was the right right road to stay on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, Ian in the chat uh, earlier on pointed out that like Arsenal have spent money, and and when we're talking about like how Arsenal, but the thing is. And that was prior to Arteta. You have to remember, he's had one summer window where we've spent fifty million euros on Partey, who. For all intents and purposes, what we've seen of him has been a raving success, but we just haven't seen enough of him, unfortunately. So he's not been a success in the sense that we've not had him. But is that down to Arteta? No, of course not. Gabriel has come in and also looked very good. And I think he's been we've, we've been getting the best from, from Gabriel for a lot of time. Some people wanted to argue that he was regressing, and I think we saw in the performance against Leeds that he was very, very good in, in that display as well. I also thought defensively he was quite good against Benfica, even though we obviously conceded that penalty. It wasn't down to him. It was down to Emil Smith-Rowe's handball. Um, and that's not to ostracise him or whatsoever. It just happened in that moment. Uh, the, the money that we've spent, we've spent loads of money, but we've just spent it so, so poorly. Like, And the thing is, is when you spend money so poorly for so long, all the other teams around you are not doing that. They are spending their money well. They're spending their money wisely. So when people say that West Ham shouldn't be sitting in fourth or look at them sitting in fourth or when they say that Leicester is sitting where they are or they say that Aston Villa is sitting where they are, it's because whilst we've been spending money on players that are not improving us, these clubs aren't doing that. Yes, they make some errors and I think West Ham have done that with the likes of Felipe Anderson, who, by the way, is now he went off to Porto for however long and, and whatever. And Sebastian Haller, who didn't work out, they moved him on. But then they've invested really well in areas like Jared Bowen and Mikel Antonio uh, and these players that are coming in, and Thomas Suchek and Kufau, they have invested in these areas really well. And that is gradually improving West Ham. And Aston Villa have gone out and they brought a very good goalkeeper in from us, ironically. They went out and brought a very good right back in, in Matty Cash. They brought in a good striker in, in Ollie Watkins. And they brought in Ross Barkley on loan that's had a good impact there as well. They've invested well, these clubs, whilst we haven't. And then in the short period of time where Arsenal have invested well with... Tierney with Gabriel uh, Magalhaes and Martinelli and also then Thomas Partey. Unfortunately, the ones that we've invested well in, Martinelli's a very young kid that's not yet been able to really have a big impact. Tierney has faced a lot of injury issues and when he has played, I think has gradually improved. Gabriel, when he has played, has played well and Partey's not been available. So during this period where we are spending well, we just have, unfortunately, the impact of that hasn't been able to be felt maybe as much as it should have done. And during that whole time, other clubs have caught up and arguably overtaken us in that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to round off, mate, uh, I'll give you my concerns quickly yeah, around Mikel Arteta. <clears throat> there's a, I think there's a reluctance to change from him at times. We see that we would talk about the substitutes all the time. I think that that's something he's really going to need to address quite quickly because people are getting frustrated over that, is that... He's not proactive enough. He, he he's too patient sometimes, and lets the game linger on too long. Um, I actually disagree with the Gabriel Martinelli situation. I think that he's m mismanaging that. I know he's coming back off uh, a bit of an injury, but the complete lack of minutes is is a concern for me. Especially, I think people always try to 
compare it with the Phil Foden situation at Man City, whereas I just don't see them as similar situations at all. I think it's um, very much like the Saliba Fofana um, comparison. It just the, the, it's similar but not similar, if you know what I mean. Uh, Phil Foden is a Man City boy through and through um, in a team with a ridiculous amount of depth, so he would have much more understanding. Whereas Gabriel Martin Gabriel Martinelli is often the brightest player on the pitch when he's given the chance. Um, so I'm worried about that. The William Saliba situation was handled horribly for me, so bad. But mm-hmm. from the management level, I'm from Mikel Arteta. Um, so I've got an issue with that there. And look, the persistence to play a Willian, th- that was a bit of a strange one, but it's rectified. <laughs> so it is. But there, there's, uh, there's some very, very poor signs for me, but there's equally as many good signs. No manager has sorted out the Arsenal's defence in, in that time. Arsene Wenger let it go, go to crap. Unai Emery couldn't resolve it. Um, Mikel Arteta seems to have shared things up. And now, I think, in my opinion, it's just a case of he's got the system. It's just the cogs within that system aren't sufficient enough to carry it out. Um, yeah. So, as a time to change them. It will. It will. Absolutely. It, it, might, it might not be Arteta that is the guy to do that. Yeah. Like, he he might get backed in the summer and we might still be 10th and, yeah. and we might not see any more improvement. And I know that there'll other teams around us will again improve and it's about how we deal with that and how we cope. And if we aren't any better in a year's time, I think that's when we need to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. For for me, Christmas period next year is when I'll, when I'll cast my judgment. No people say it till the end of the season, but mm. I, th- I think that time's sufficient enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to let you go, mate, because I know you've got to shoot off. We're going to carry on for another 10 minutes or so answering some questions from the chat. Um, but I appreciate your time, as always. Yeah, pleasure, pleasure to come on. And uh, I try to make it as uh, conf- conflicting as possible for the people in the chat, but uh, we disagree on too much, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, we just clearly disagreeing so much. No, as I say, it's, it's been a good chat. I, I do always sometimes feel it's a bit of an echo chamber sometimes, but the thing is, is I value a lot of the views, and I think that the people who come on the channel, like yourself, put across the views eloquently and you explain yourself and it's hard to find honestly it's hard to find so i appreciate your time mate no worries at all buddy absolute pleasure and good luck with the rest of the show and cheers to everybody in the chat make sure you hit the likes Uh, you're always slow on them likes (laughs) and make sure you give owen a follow at owen young afc and you can find him at the gunas pods as well and guna crack i assume is is still carrying on in some capacity Uh, we'll see (laughs) (laughs) have a good one mate i'll speak to you soon fella see ya see ya boys so a massive thank you to Owen uh, for coming on today. Of course, I know sometimes people don't think that we get people on that disagree all the time. And, and it's really, honestly, it's, sometimes it is difficult because I think what people can understand sometimes about Arsenal especially is that it's really tricky to find a scenario where you can get people onto the same show that will disagree and can be civil about it. Now, thankfully, there are some really good pods out there that do manage to do that. And Craig at Same Old Arsenal is very lucky that he's got a great crew around him that have differing views. And at TGT, obviously, we have kind of a crew that have very similar views in some areas. And sometimes we disagree on certain things, but they're not really kind of the main points about Arteta and Arsenal. And I do want to go down a route of doing these shows, which are more debate-based. And that's why I got Dan on last week, I think it was, and um, and why I plan on getting Turkish on next week is because I want to talk to more people that, that do have different views to try and hear their side. Uh, and I've also offered the opportunity for people in the chat box who have different views to come on. I've offered... Trust me, I've offered people that have very different views to me the opportunity to come on the show and they've they've turned it down because they are they don't want to come on and they don't want to have discussions about whatever and have different views to myself. It's really, really difficult to build an environment whereby when people disagree, they want to be around each other. It's really tough, really, really tough to have that. Um, and, and that's why I'm going to really try over the next kind of season and a bit it's going to take time trust the process <laughs> it's going to trust the, you've got to trust the process um and uh, and hopefully we can do that now i'm going to be around here for the next uh, kind of 10 more minutes or so so if you do have any more questions uh, we are going to take those we are going to answer them 
um, and get to them. Yonic Max says, Turkish on TG, TGT, dark side in strong. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having a chat with Turkish to kind of hear his views and, and obviously for him to hear my views and we can have a chat about all of the kind of things that we, we're struggling to understand and, and that we don't agree with. Um, <laughs> um, Matt Thornton says, you've got to take a deep breath, sit back and look at the bigger picture. Also, what I want to do is point out is that Omar in the chat, I know I've been pointing this out while this has been going on, but Omar uh, Yaya in the chat, who is someone who always pops in, along with a lot of other people that don't agree with my view, is always respectful. And unfortunately, Omar in the chat today has had to deal with people calling him a hater, which I don't necessarily agree with. And unfortunately, it was also one of my members um, that did that. And I don't agree with that. And I've had to time out a member for that. Now, People that decide to come and become members, I have huge respect for, obviously, everyone who watches the channel, and I appreciate everyone that wants to come along and support the channel. And if the person that I've put into timeout wants to stop being a member because I've done that, that is absolutely fine. Members do not get preferential treatment based upon the fact that they sign up to help support the channel. I might go to some of them for questions more often, but that is the only specific time that will happen. But in terms of preferential treatment of how I view your opinions, it doesn't change. And I will absolutely 100% be throwing up comments from people on the channel in the chat box that are not members because the whole point of this show that why it exists is that everyone who is tuning into the show plus there are some people that I'm assuming can't be members because it doesn't actually come up during their feed with the location that they're in um but anyway there's there's the deep bit past let's go on to talk about some more interesting stuff from the chat box as Matt Thornton says please hit the like button and smash those into the chat box of people. I really appreciate it. Uh, Nana G says, that's true. I think he pushes them and gives them a chance to prove themselves, but they let them down each time. But hey, uh, the players know what they have to do in response to what Craig said. Um, it's up to Arteta to push these players. And I think that there is an element of him doing that with some. I think also there is an element of being an inexperienced coach he is putting a lot of emphasis on experience in his team, which is why I think William played so much at the beginning of the campaign. And I don't think he necessarily rates so much um, in regards to Pepe. I don't, I don't think he rates him. I don't buy the argument to say he doesn't rate Martinelli. I don't think that is a legitimate argument at this point in time because people were saying that about Phil Foden and Pep Guardiola for a long time. And actually, the point was is that Phil Foden was still exceptionally young and Martinelli is still younger than Phil Foden and is being kind of time to integrate and given time to, to put into the team. And I, he will come good and he will get more game time. But you can't just thrust these kids, all of the kids, into a team and hope they're going to drag Arsenal out of a very dire situation. It's, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. It's really, really not going to happen. Um, Omar says, Tom, it, say if we lose on Thursday, not saying we will, then will your stance change on Arteta? Omar, if we lose on Thursday, we will go out to a Benfica side who I consider to be, as Harry said on SOA this week, one of the worst Benfica sides over the last 20 years. And it will depend on the team that we play It would, in terms of the lineup. It will depend on a lot of things. It depends on the decisions that are made during the game. I'm not going to suddenly say if we lose to Benfica that I will want the manager to go. I don't think, again, I don't think there's enough evidence for that still for me at this point in time to have a definitive judgment on it. It would take, what would it would take for me to be of a different mindset right now is for us to go into next season, no matter what happens this campaign, because I just think there's too many mitigating factors this season. It would go into next season, having spent money in the, in the summer window and to not have pushed up the league and to not have changed anything and for us to still be languishing. If that's the case in a year's time from now, if we're sitting here in February and we're still 10th in the league next year, then I'll be sitting here going, I don't think this has worked. And I think maybe we need to look to someone else to start a different project, to start a new process. And the reason why we use words like projects and process is because ultimately that is what Arsenal is. Arsenal isn't ever going to be a quick win unless we've got an owner that's going to pump money into the club. That That's what the issue is. Um, Abin says, what about my super chat? Abin, nothing's popped up on the screen for me. Uh, I'm really sorry, but I haven't received anything. So if you have tried to put one in, it has not come up. Um, uh, so I really appreciate that if you have put it in, but it's nothing's popped up on my screen, unfortunately. Maybe it's coming on a different app or maybe StreamYard's messing up. Um, but I will answer your question anyway. And you say, we sell for buying or we sell for getting rid. 
Um, I think that ultimately what we need to start doing is moving away, Abin, from selling to getting rid and selling so that we can buy. And that's going to take time in itself. Is We are not going to see an immediate change in the way that we are recruiting. We are seeing gradual change, and that's good. Mistakes are still being made, Willian, et cetera. But the good signs in Partey and in Gabriel and in Martinelli and in Tierney is that things are gradually changing. We've got a lot out in January, and we got a fair few out in last summer as well. But we still need to move on a hell of a lot of players. And in a market that's affected by COVID, it's very difficult to find buyers for these players because teams aren't willing to take risks. Teams have got to be really careful with their money. And all these players that you and I sit here and go are not good enough, funnily enough, other teams don't think they're good enough either. And that's why it's really difficult to find buyers for these players. So when people you see people sitting there on their social media typing in their FIFA-style sell and buy list and the amount of money they think they could get for them, it's a load of BS, unfortunately, and it's not realistic. And that's why you just kind of have to hope and pray that we can move players on where and if we can and then we can start selling well and i'm hopefully in the summer we'll see the likes of Enketia, nelson maybe willock um be moved on for significant fees genduzi terrera if they can't be reintegrated into the team that we can move them on for a decent fee and then we can reinvest in this summer and hopefully we get another cash injection from the owner fingers crossed that happens that's it's going to take a hell of a lot to change things. It really, really is. Uh, it's also going to take people being a little bit more open-minded to some of the signings that we could make. They might be names that you don't necessarily think are Arsenal quality. But Arsenal quality is is very kind of contextual right now and is not necessarily something that um, we can all agree with. Um, what I might think is a decent signing, other people might not. I mean, when we signed a £6 million, kid, six million pound kid from Brazil and put him straight into the first team, it's uh, some people might not have said that Martinelli was Arsenal quality when he came in, but it turns out he's looking like he could be. Um, but then there's players that we bring in, like Willian, had a very good season last year at Chelsea, was in the top 10 chance creators in the Premier League, and has come in and been a damp squib. So I've never used the words damp squib in a long time. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really tricky to do that. Uh, Matt Thornton says, Would you try Torreira next to Partey? I genuinely don't know the situation with Torreira right now. I don't know if the time under Emery where he was misplayed and misused has affected him so much that he can't come back, or whether he wants to be here. It's a lot more than just a FIFA number. I think people get very obsessed with kind of a player and how they rate them. Whereas actually around a player, there's like the social life, how they're actually feeling about the club, their wages, the contract length. There's all these other things that come into talking about a single player. And why maybe Torreira and Partey could work next season? Maybe. But Terrell might not want to be here next season, and that's something that has to be thought about and considered. Um, Yo-Yo says, Arteta will remain at the club regardless of whether he finishes in the Europa League, European spots. If he was to, after having been given greater powers than Emery, should he remain at the club? Um, I think I agree with you in the sense I think Arteta will be here no matter where we finish this season. I think the club are invested in him for at least another year. And I think they, like me, have probably seen enough to think that he's earned another year in charge and look at the mitigating circumstances of this year and think of it as a bit of a write-off. I don't see it as a write-off, but I certainly think the club, there is elements of the club looking at this season as a bit of a write-off. Um, next year is going to be telling. They've already shown that they're willing to sack managers. They did that with Emery. If things don't go well after a serious investment in the summer, they won't stand for it. They will move him on. That I have no doubt about that. It's just then if he does get moved on is do I have the faith in the current board and the ownership to make a decision on who should come in with Raul no longer here with other people no longer here. I have a little bit more faith, but I'm still struggling because I think the ownership has a lot to answer for in terms of the recruitment that they've made both executively and in terms of players. The Cronkies have a lot to answer for in terms of their decision-making, but I'm just hoping that their investment will continue to come and that we've got people now in, with Arteta and Edu that are making some good decisions when it comes to investment. That's where I kind of feel uh, regarding that. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to finish off the show there. If you could drop a like on the video, I really appreciate it. I know I don't show that enough throughout the shows and that means people don't genuinely do it. Um, but I really appreciate if you could um, drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new. This is now going to be an audio thing as well. I'm going to be getting these out regularly onto the audio platforms. I'm 
in conversations with Spotify, trying to get uh, it out onto there and also then onto iTunes as soon as the RSS feed is, is fixed and sorted. Um, but it's out on SoundCloud. There's a link for our SoundCloud page in the description. All the shows are going to be going out on SoundCloud. I, I say all the shows. It's going to be the podcasts, the Let's Talk Arsenal shows, and the Raw Reaction shows are all going to be going on to uh, audio-only platforms as well, like SoundCloud, and hopefully onto Spotify as well. So if you're traveling in the car on your way to work or if you're doing a run, you can listen to us without having to go on to, to YouTube uh, as well. So uh, I really appreciate your time this evening. Keep it positive, keep it real, keep it safe, keep it respectful as always. I'll be back tomorrow afternoon, 2.30pm for the preview of the Benfica game with a couple of members, fingers crossed. Um, but it's been a pleasure to speak to you guys as always. A massive thank you to Owen as well for coming on earlier on. And you can find him at Owen Young, I want to say 20. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be something. You'll find him. Just type it in. E-R-E-O-I-N, Young, on Twitter. You'll find him. And you can find me at the Talk TV and you can find my personal media account at Tom Canton Media. We're back tomorrow. I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mook delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.